hello and welcome to this installment of Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. This is the comic book interview podcast where I speak with up-and-coming writers and artists as well as veterans in the industry. And today, I have an up-and-comer, Andrew Maxwell. Now, Andrew reached out to me, said, I'm a listener of the show, and I have some work I do that I think you would be very interested in based on what you've said on the show. Andrew is a veteran to running Kickstarter campaigns, and he has run two, the first, Rum Row, and the other, Aldous Spark. Both of those I was very interested in. Rum Row is set during the Prohibition era, and we talk about that book and Aldous Spark. And if you're a fan of the original Wild Wild West TV series, I think you would like this book too, a lot. And as we had our conversation, in the works was another Kickstarter which is now live called The Baldy Tales of Laszlo Kale. Now the talent that he has on his comics, producing the art, and producing varying covers is amazing. Some you have heard of, some you may not have. But regardless, the work is excellent. Andrew and I also talk about Kickstarter as a way to get work out from new writers and artists and also for veteran writers and artists. Andrew also has his own website for his comics called Grenade Fight Inc. And of course, my fun questions about relaxation, and we also discuss beer. I'm getting thirsty just thinking about it, so let's get started. My interview with Andrew Maxwell, here now on Creator Talks. the show glad to be here have a question for you before we get into your work for sure are you really a big michael mcdonald fan and did you get sucked into the rabbit hole watching a bunch of videos of michael mcdonald i did <laughs> yeah i don't know how big a fan i am with youtube it's so easy just to patty labelle and all of a sudden michael mcdonald after michael mcdonald yeah they roll the next one right after that <laughs> so you can just keep going <laughs> Like, what am I doing with my life? I have things to do. Well, you're a teacher by day. Yeah, yeah. And you're going into summer school. What do you teach? Uh, special ed. Oh, okay. Very good. Love it. And then uh, trying to do comics uh, by night and balance it and make it all work. Now, how long have you been teaching? Uh, about three years right now, so not too long. And was that what you trained to do was to be a teacher? Honestly, I was a business major, marketing major, and then um, by happenstance fell into working with the population and then loved it. And I actually worked in a vocational center before I was teaching with special needs adults and then uh, went into teaching and it's been almost eight years now with the population in general. And yeah, I've just been loving it. Can't complain. Well, that's great work you're doing. Fantastic. I wanted to start out talking about a couple of your works that were funded through Kickstarter campaigns, two in particular, Rum Row and... Aldous Sparks, Meddler in History and Other Unsavory Affairs. Let's start with Rum Row. And at first glance, when I looked at that, I thought, oh, this is steampunk. But it's not. The story was built on what you discovered about ships offshore selling booze during the Prohibition era in the 1920s. And you added to that your own little twist based on a movie you watched not long thereafter. So tell me what you learned about the historical context of Rum Row and how you work this movie into it to come up with your own comic book, Rum Row. I'm kind of a history nerd. History in general has kind of fascinated me. Prohibition is a fun era of history. It's affected just the U.S. so much. There's so many things that came from Prohibition, whether they were planned or not. So I was just researching for another project, and I came across the real Rum Row, which was, like you said, these boats. But there was all this stuff going on. So they were sending these speedboats out there, 
and there's other gangsters going out there stealing all these cases of alcohol. The lifeguards are in on it. So it was like this whole world that I was like, if you just took that normally, I thought that would make a great show or, or comic book itself. You know, like you said, I was watching Hell's Angels, the Howard Hughes movie. If you haven't checked out, it's pretty insane. Just kind of melded together the blender that was my brain, and it kind of came out to rum row, dirigible speakeasies and biplanes and, and all that fun stuff. So it was just, uh, just kind of happened that way. It's amazing the things you can get out of history. I wasn't really aware of that. And you, know, you stumbled across it too. And there's so much that you can mine from to tell some of these great stories. And that's a, it's a wonderful idea. And it's really well done. You have an artist on the book, Michael Bandini. He's the co-creator. He's worked for Marvel on Captain Marvel. But what do you know about him working with him? And what are some of the, the pitfalls you both talked about with pitching a story? Some of the things you commiserated over and then decided, hey, let's do our own book. Well, first off, he's, he's a great guy. His character designs alone, I, I do a book of those. You know, as a writer, I'll give him a couple blurbs. You know, what do you think about this? And it's always a back and forth. But with him, it's just, bam, they're done. I mean, you can see him in, in the back of the issues. They're pretty impressive. He's got a great style. And I think he's only got better over time. But in terms of the book itself, when I initially started writing, just trying to get pitches and submit to publishers. But you do five, eight pages or so. And I got to the point where I was like, I want to just finish a story. And so we just decided to make the whole issue. We never pitched it, still haven't pitched it. And we just made a whole story. And the first issue can stand alone on its own, but people seem to dig it enough. And we just, like, let's let's continue with this. That's why we did issue two and taking a little pause because of his Marvel work, but still going strong. So the first issue was successfully kickstarted October 2014 in the second around August 2017. That's a fairly big gap between issues, and the books are of very high quality. And I've experienced gaps with other Kickstarters that have books of very high quality, and they have lots of loyal backers. Like, for example, one of them's Fire in the Skies. It is kind of a steampunk story. Like yours, larger size format and very well done, but it takes time to put that issue together. And I'm sure you've thought about this. How are you trying to narrow the gap between issues? Mikkel's ridiculously talented. With indie comics, especially when you're doing it 100%, it was just us two. Oh, and the very talented colorist. And Adam Pruitt, who does a lot of design work and Sonia. But I mean, for the most part, a lot of the, the back and forth of the book was us. And so many just life things kind of happened. And that's kind of why I did other projects as well. As someone that's a reader, if you like that, I understand it can take a long time. And I'm hoping that the next one won't be uh, three years, like you said. But yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, taking the long view, I can appreciate that because a lot of other publishers have to change up their artists. And I've said this before on the show. It's really disappointing when an artist changes on a book because it can really just totally change the tone and sometimes not work best for a particular script and a particular writer. But staying with it and in the long run, the long game, You'll have a nice series of books together that all fit very well, have the same look, the same feel, the same creative team. And I think after looking at it historically, people will have a much better appreciation for that if they're just patient. And again, you'll keep those loyal backers over time. Have any independent publishers expressed any interest in publishing the book or promoting the series? Uh, nibble, but nothing too big. Um... Like I said, we never pitched it. It'd be interesting once it's completed to see what happens. I don't know. Something I've thought about. It is taking a little bit longer between issues. So one thing I wanted to do so there wasn't such quite a, you know, a gap, this next one, is we're actually doing uh, an anthology concurrently. And that's going to kind of cover a lot of the little worlds and details that we won't cover in the main series. Kind of like the aerial firefighting squad, some of the politics of it, other districts of the row. 
So I think there'll be some cool stuff kind of coming out in between issues to keep everybody uh, interested in. I mean, we got a ton of amazing art. I've posted some of that, and it's got a good response. So I'm looking forward to that as well. That's a great idea to keep this series going with the fill-ins in between with the anthologies. That's great to build out that world. Have you looked at other distribution channels for your work? For example, digitally through, say, Comicology. I know they're available on your site, and I will definitely get to that in a moment. But have you looked at other channels, Comicology, or you know, if the pressure of trying to get a book out all at once is a lot, looking at something like Line Webtoons and doing it digitally in smaller bites? The Webtoons and the webcomic is something I thought about. I haven't wanted to pull the trigger on it yet, but I think that's just I haven't had enough time to research it. We definitely have it on Comixology, and that's been fun just to see. Well, because with Comixology and Kickstarter, you get people from all over the world. And that's just been something really cool is, is getting the random, you know, direct message or, or note or, or, or comment from somebody that's completely other side of the world that I never would have thought in a million years would have been reading our book. And it's been a really nice bonus. But yeah, we're going to continue to do Comixology. The only thing with doing straight to digital, I always want the stuff to be in print as well. And it's just the digital in terms of Kickstarter is a little harder sell, I think. Guys like Ryan K. Lindsay do a great job uh, and they really pull on the backers you get a little bit higher to offer it as print as well. And that really adds up if you're trying to do it yourself. Oh, sure. No, I understand. Yeah, there are other writers and artists who do it digitally for free right off the bat. Um, they've been working at it a lot longer, though, and they do have a very large fan base. And they are able to go back and say, okay, I'm going to put this in print now, reach new people, but also their loyal fan base will be like, sure, I want it in print. But there's a lot of risk involved in that. You know, uh, Some people, it works very well when they give it away for free. People will buy it. But I can understand the reluctance. Well, if I do that, how am I going to sell the print now? It's tricky. You know, you have to really know the audience and really know your product. Are they going to back it print? But I think the way you're doing it now through Kickstarter is great where you have the print and digital copies available, plus all the stretch goals that you can also offer people. And there's a lot of people now on Kickstarter that are professionals that are using that route to publish their own pet projects because they have difficulty doing it on a publisher schedule. They may wind up waiting a year or two based on what the publisher has in mind. So there are a lot more pros on Kickstarter now. How do you feel about that? Do you think there's enough room for everyone on Kickstarter? The pros being on Kickstarter, do you think that helps lift the tide for all boats so that more eyeballs will be on Kickstarter and find your project, for example? I mean, I'm all for everybody getting their stuff out. I think if the project is worth checking out, I think people will check out. Anybody who wants to go on there, I'm fully behind. I mean, there's a lot of lessons to learn through Kickstarter, and, I, and I've definitely learned my fair share in the last three that we've done. But yeah, I'm, I'm all for everybody on there. And there's a lot of great stuff out there. And I'm glad you brought your work to my attention because it's excellent work. I wish you the best with it. And you have another project in addition to that that you also funded through Kickstarter, Aldous Spark. And let's talk about your co-creator, Peter Marini who also wrote for DC Comics. What did he write for DC? Uh, a Joker short in a Batman anthology a few years back. And uh, he's a fantastic writer. I think he'd be a great editor as well. He's just got a, a knack for it, story, craft, and a great guy. He's going to be doing some solo stuff as well soon, so definitely something to keep an eye out for. Just a heck of a writer. And the two of you basically have your own publishing company, Grenade Fight, Inc. It's the kind of books... We want to read is your basically your motto, your slogan, which is great because you can do whatever you want. And your site, grenadefight.net, you can find all the books, print and digitally, that have been on the Kickstarter. And have you published other books through 
your publishing company besides your own Kickstarter campaigns? No, we just kind of stick to our own little, you know, with Rumro, and you can see it takes a little while to get them out. So with day jobs and family and everything else, right now we're just trying to keep our stuff going, but maybe down the line, but right now it's just kind of our own stuff currently. Okay. Now let's get back to all the spark. I read that. And while I was reading it, I was jotting down notes and a couple of them I wrote down, Jules Verne and Wild Wild West. And then when I read your letter in the back, I was like, oh, well, it does tie in or it was inspired by Wild Wild West, that 1960s TV show. So please tell everyone about that and how that helped to spark the idea for all the spark. I wasn't around when it first came on. But when I was a kid, after cartoons, that show would come on, Wild Wild West. And I was just as a kid, I was fascinated because it was almost like a James Bond cowboy show almost. Right. Like I loved it. I was just the intro song, the gadgets, all that. I, I just loved it. And there's a villain, Dr. Loveless. And I realized there was a movie that came out that was not uh, quite the same thing. But the show you had, it had a villain named Dr. Loveless. And I just I was like, what if we had that kind of character almost but with a good guy twist? And, you know, Spark originally started out as a Western and it kind of evolved. We worked with it and became what it is now. But yeah, that was kind of the nugget of the idea. Oh, it's great. I love that show too. Uh, I didn't see it when it came out. Not that old. But I did watch it in reruns. And I did like that Bond feel about it. I did like the period setting. They were uh, in the Secret Service working for President Grant. And they were on that train that was their basically their office moving around the country. And, and I like the way they would do those little breaks at the end of each segment before commercials, they had the drawn image and then you would see the actual clips kind of putting together a puzzle. So that was really, really cool. And this book just kind of evokes that feel to me, even though it doesn't follow the same style per se, but that spirit is there and beautifully drawn. Great story. Tell me a bit about your artist. We just put an ad out for an artist and we saw his stuff and we're just like, I mean, you've got to look at it. He's an amazing artist. I believe he was a finalist. Uh, in one of the top cow talent hunts. He's just an amazing artist. The internet is just making indie comics. Like I didn't make it before the internet, but I just can't imagine all the tools we have. I mean, every book I make is a worldwide team. Mauricio's in Mexico, but we had our colorist was in Scotland. You just find amazingly talented people and it's just, everything's at your fingertips. It's just, it's awesome. I, I love it. And your colorist, Derek Dow, he's on both books, Rum Row and on All the Spark. Right, exactly. Yeah, he's a great guy. Very talented group of people. And it's amazing that there are so many talented people out there that you can reach through the internet. But to your credit, you're getting the right people that work for your books. And that's part of the difficulty of it. Part of the trick is not just finding someone and not just finding someone that you work with well and that everyone gets compensated accordingly, but that really work for the series. And in both cases, amazing work. And you have something else coming out soon, The Body Tales of Laszlo Kale. A lot different than the other two. It's definitely a little out there, but kind of a Thomas Crown Affair meets Fifth Element. A lot of heisty elements. Uh, with just sci-fi, weird gadgets, colorful characters, all kinds of crazy stuff in there. It was just a blast making it. And the artist, Gorin, blew me away. Facial expressions and acting and what he chooses to put on the pages. Just That book was just such a dream to make. Now that one, I believe, was not a Kickstarter. We haven't launched yet. That's actually July 10th. Oh, so I got a sneak preview. Yeah, you got a sneak preview. And then I sent you, and I guess we can announce it now, Jim Rugg is doing the variant cover for that as well. Got a chance to work with two ridiculously talented artists for that book. 
That is great. Jim Rugg, as listeners may know, does Street Angel, and he's been on the show. That's a really big score for you, having Jim do the variant cover for you. Class act. I mean, such a pleasure to work with. So I've been extremely lucky so far. So fingers crossed uh, it stays that way. Now tell me a bit about you as a writer. When you wind up writing yourself into a corner, A, is it intentional? And B, how do you get out of it? Usually I, I don't have a whole lot of writer's block, but it's funny to say that I, I am having a little bit writing myself into a corner lately. And I find that that's usually there's a problem in the planning somewhere that I missed or screwed up. So right now I've been kind of backtracking and reworking a few things and it's starting to come back a, a lot now. So it's usually it's like, where did I mess up? What do I need to go back and fix, tweak, you know, et cetera. That's usually what happens. But most of the time I try to have like an outline or some kind of general plan and then go down the path as I write. I try to come up with an outline too. Whatever I'm writing, if it's some kind of recommended reading writing I do or something, it's usually getting that outline first. My head is the hardest part and that's where I sometimes have the block and I'll just kind of put it aside for a bit and just relax and try to not focus so hard on it then come back to it and then it all kind of clicks into place. And I've heard other writers talk about how they handle things like writer's block. Sometimes they paint themselves into a corner. One writer in particular that I'm sure you're familiar with is Mark Wade. And when he was working on Daredevil a few years ago with Chris Somney, he would write this cliffhanger ending. Oh my gosh, how's Daredevil going to get out of this? And he was like, yeah, I wonder how he's going to get out of it. I have no idea. <laughs> so I'll figure it out before the next issues do. But he has a plan, but... Sometimes he will paint himself into a corner and say, now let me figure out how I'm going to do that because if, if I don't know right now, then it's going to leave the reader wondering how. So they won't be able to figure it out either. They're going to be just surprised when that next issue comes out, which I thought was rather rather interesting. He enjoyed doing that and trying to figure it out. And there's some times where it does come organically like that or it maybe ends. You might ramp it up and get a little more crazy than you thought or originally planned. And always have a loose outline just so you can play with stuff. You know, every case is a little bit different, but yeah, that's a little seat of your pants there. He's a heck of a writer. I don't doubt that at all. So I'd like to ask you some questions that I ask all my guests so that we get to know more about you as a person, the person behind the work, writing these great books. What do you like to do for rest and relaxation? I would definitely say uh, my wife's an attorney. And so just making time, hang out with the wife and we'll just watch trash TV. (laughs) What do you guys like to watch? Oh, God, it's embarrassing. We just, you know, with the job, sometimes we just want to put our brains in neutral. Mm-hmm. And so one of those, we're watching Below Deck. It's a Bravo show about people on a, a big yacht, luxury yacht. And it's just, it's the dumbest show ever. But it's perfect for just putting your brain in neutral and just relaxing a little bit. I gotcha. Now we do the same thing. We don't always want something really heavy to watch. Like sometimes we'll watch, and I tend to record things so we may have a chance to sit down and watch it. We're getting caught up on Into the Badlands. Have you seen it? This uh, martial arts show? Yeah, that's it. I, I caught an episode or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. It's kind of mindless fun. My wife likes it. I kind of roll my eyes because I'm like, eh, people can't move like that. She's like, just put that out of your mind. It's just an adventure. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> to me, that's kind of my mindless TV because eh, I'm not really feeling it, but it looks great. But I have a problem with everything goes too well. You know what I mean? In terms of if someone throws a, a, a knife, it hits exactly where they planned for it to hit. If someone throws a punch right where they want it to go and a kick right where it should go and everything just lands perfectly. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. No, I totally know what you mean. I mean, watching a show like that is nice where you don't have to really concentrate. I mean, I love the darker stuff too. 
It's just my wife may not be in the mood for watching that at the time. I mean, you brought up a show on an earlier episode, Babylon Berlin. Oh, yeah. That's a great show. But unless you want to put on the dubbed version, you're going to be very, very closely pay attention because everything's happening so quickly. Right. That's right. I was trying to watch M on the movie channel, Peter Lorre from like the 1930s. It's uh, Lang. Um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's all German. So I'm thinking, oh, I can multitask while this. No, I can't. I got to read the subtitles. <laughs> oh, it's like it's so fast. It's like you can't even eat a bite of your food. Where you're like, I no. What did I miss? What's happening? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, sometimes just the fun, mindless, relax, enjoy it. Kind of like the popcorn movie. Sometimes that, yes. Other times, I can concentrate and I really do want to see something. I got to put everything away and actually pay attention. And today, you know, for people, it's hard because there's that phone. You know, you get a little bored of something and you just go, I wonder if I've seen that actor before, that actress before. And you start looking it up on the internet and you get distracted. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like, wait, I'm, I'm on how many Wikipedia pages did I just read? I'm on a rabbit hole right now. Yeah. <laughs> now... Thinking back to a birthday that stands out for you, whether it be where you were, who you were with, why is it so special? Why does it stand out in your memory? Well, kind of to tie in, it wasn't on purpose, but I just, I was thinking of this. To tie into Rum Row, my wife surprised me. I, I live in Long Beach, which has a small airport by it. And you can basically just fly a plane for an hour. They have someone that'll be there with you. I was kind of assuming that, oh, they're going to steer and do everything. I'm just kind of sitting along for the ride. But no, I like... For the landing, I lined up for the ramp. And I mean, it was like, I was like, when are you going to take over, guy? Like, But I was flying a plane. I mean, it was pretty awesome. So this is not a simulation. You don't have a pilot's license, but you were there with a pilot. And they're like, go ahead, take the wheel. Yeah, as long as they're there. <laughs> but I mean, just like little things when you're driving a car, right? It's always look ahead. Mm -hmm. Don't look for neck. Look ahead because you're going to crash otherwise, right? Even if you're in the middle of nowhere. But in a plane, he kept going like, hey, look over there. Look down there. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm just <laughs> trained to look forward. But there's nothing. I mean, unless you're in a crowded airspace, which obviously I was not, you're not going to hit anything. But it's just like training yourself just to look around and look at how pretty it is. And But that was, yeah, I was like, okay, I got to get used to that. Would you do it again? Oh, it was great. It was awesome. I mean, with those little planes, especially if you're in the back, like I can't speak for my poor wife, you kind of get tossed around a little bit. But in the pilot seat, it's awesome. Do you think you'd ever want to get a pilot's license? <laughs> I actually have a friend that's a pilot, and it sounds really cool, but it's incredibly expensive and time-intensive to get those hours. So I think that would be the biggest thing that would stop me. But I mean, just being up there is awesome. You're very lucky to have that. As a, you know, some people go on the hot air balloon ride. You're flying a plane. Oh, so <laughs> that would stand out in my mind. It was really cool. You're not afraid of flying, right? You're just... Oh, no. Oh, no. I've been on planes. Oh, no. I have no problem with it. I don't either. I like it a lot. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I still would like to do the hot air balloon thing, though, at some point. I've never done that. I would like to do it. I think I would feel more comfortable in a plane than I would a hot air balloon, though. I don't know why. I have a couple of engines and I have one balloon. I don't know. I just... I feel better in a plane. But it would be pretty cool. We actually live really close to a... What's the... It's the blimp. We have a big blimp right off the freeway by our house. Sure. A dirigible, yes. Yeah, and I would love to go on one of those just to see what that's like, you know, because it's kind of almost a little hybrid of the two. Well, that's research. Of course, you have to do that. Tax right up. <laughs> now, thinking back when you were growing up, young teen, what posters or pictures did you have on your bedroom wall, and what were you listening to at the time? You know, I always wanted to have a cool room with all the posters, but we just 
for whatever reason, we didn't. But I, I remember there was a magazine called Disney Adventures. It was like this little kids magazine that used to be at the stands. I think when like Batman Forever came out and they had like a, a bunch of comic art in there. And they had a pull-out Jim Lee poster, Batman. And even when you pull it out, it wasn't that big. But I remember I had that on my door, and I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. Because I didn't read comics till I was 20, 21 years old. And seeing that was like, oh, man, that, that was such a cool image. When you started reading comics, what were the first ones you actually started to read? I mean, when I was real, real little, I, you know, I loved the Batman the Animated Series and like the X-Men cartoon, of course. But we just didn't have the comics in the house. But when I started actually reading, reading them, I remember reading stuff like preacher you're trained as almost like it's only superheroes and i know a lot of people still think that but i remember reading preacher thinking just about spider-man and stuff and reading that and just being blown away you've read preacher right i have uh, yeah <laughs> to start with that yeah it's not what you would expect i mean garth Ennis, like and then i remember reading his punisher max and all that kind of stuff but just seeing that there's so many different kinds of comics you know, not just the superhero stuff. And I love the superhero stuff, too. I, get, I have no problems with that. I like mostly genre stuff. I read probably mostly Dark Horse and, and Image. And I was working at a bookstore, Barnes & Nobles, for a little bit. And so they had all those collected editions, and I just was gobbling those up. I mean, there's just so much stuff you could read. Sandman and all these different things. When you have nine volumes of something, you can just read it all at once. It was, you know, binging at its best. Oh, it's wonderful that we can do that. There's just so much there now. You know, you have decades of great comics and you can just pick and choose what you want. You don't have to wait anymore. I mean, to get caught up on what's already come out. And going to the whole digital thing, I still love the smell of old comics and stuff, obviously, but I didn't grow up reading them as much. So reading them on a tablet or my computer isn't as big a deal to me. So just going on Comixology and you can just read 20 comics just back to back to back yeah i love it just being able to catch up on everything is at our fingertips it's great and it's dangerous because i can go broke <laughs> you know i go oh i want that and i want that and i want that and i just oh i can just download it and then spending a little bit here and there and before you know it i do prefer though myself the print editions that's how i started because there wasn't digital yet you know i mean you did not see here's preview art coming out I had to wait until it actually came out. Sometimes I didn't know when it was coming out and there was no catalog. So I didn't even know what was coming up next unless it said at the end of the issue, coming up next. That's the only way I knew. So that was exciting, but it wasn't as easy to get a hold of books then as it is now. So at least if you miss something, you can always get it digitally in most cases. In most cases, smaller publishers know. It's a wonderful time. It can be a very expensive time if you're not careful. I know, but I mean, it's like if you're into this, then you'll be into this. And so, you know, social media and everything, it's so easy to check things out. And I mean, Kickstarter, there's just so many books that come out on Kickstarter. I mean, I backed a ton of them. Just indie books and the big two and all the other publishers. I mean, there's just so much. I mean, that, that can be overwhelming in itself too. I have quite the digital and physical slush pile but <laughs> you know it, it starts to stack up but it's just there's so much good stuff whatever you're into they've got a million titles for it it's a lot of stuff but if you had to decide you're stuck on that desert island what's the one book that you'd want to have with you to read for fun we're not talking survival here not a guy just something you're only allowed one book or a set if they're all related what's going to be that one book I'd have to go like a long series just if I'm going to be on that island forever. And I'm a sucker for fantasies. And there's a couple series that I've been wanting. Like there's the, what, the Wheel of Time. It's like 15 books or something like that. That'd keep me busy for a little bit. Or maybe finally read Dark Tower. It's like seven books, I think. That would keep me busy, I think, at least for a little while. 
I can't do the read books over and over again. Only a few books I've read a couple of times, but I really just don't have the time to do it. Same thing, and I'm too neurotic where I just, I'm thinking movies is okay, shows I can't really watch, but especially books when it takes hours and hours to read a book, I can't. There's too much research-wise or entertainment-wise that I want to read. I'd have to pick something new. I mean, I keep all my books. Very few that I've ever just given away or gotten rid of. I think I'm going to get back to them. And some of them have bits and pieces that I might go back and read sections of. If they're more instructional than they are fiction, I, you know, I don't know if I will. It's been rare that I've ever had that chance. I still have the hope that I will. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe retirement, I'll have time to do that. I probably won't then either. (laughs) I still have them. (laughs) Your kids are small. How old are your kids? They're... They are five and two. So are you reading? So five? Yeah, you're probably reading like, or does that where you get to the Harry Potter level yet or not? Or not quite? They, they have, you know what? <laughs> I think they're six and two now. <laughs> I think I've lost track. <laughs> no, they're not to the, um, to the Harry Potter level yet. They read other things like my, my oldest son's reading like SpongeBob SquarePants comics or graphic novels. That's what he likes to read. And he's actually able to read now with a little bit of help, you know, but that's, they're not into the prose novels so much yet. I gotcha. Yeah. Because I remember as a kid, yeah, like you get a little bit older than I remember our parents would read Beverly Cleary books. Those stick out in my brain. And Hardy Boys, which those were so bad to me personally. <laughs> not, not a great memory. But the, but yeah, just reading those books and and it's such an awesome thing just to be able to hear like a big giant story. I remember loving that. Yeah, I'm interested to see where the kids go with their reading. I mean, they do read comics because I read them to them. When I get a chance, not as much as I used to, but I, I still do read to them. But I'd be curious to see what direction they take. What are they going to like when they get older? Will I have any influence? Probably not. But you know, I'm just curious to see. I mean, they like things like Batman, Spider-Man. They like TV shows and stuff like that. But I'm sure they'll find their own books that they like to read. Maybe someday they'll read all the books that I have collected because um, I still plan to read them again at some point. But, you know, it's like the other books. Like, when? I don't know. Retirement, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I've never read a comic to someone. Do you just kind of point to each panel kind of deal? I do have to kind of guide him because he'll say, where are you? And I'm like, right here. And, like, and my older son, he's like, okay, where's that word? He's looking for the word because he wants to know how to use it and how to spell it. <laughs> so yeah, I do have to kind of point with my finger so he can follow along. Oh yeah, that makes sense. But by doing that, he's now able to go and read on his own. He likes to do it. When I can get him away from the computer because he's playing all that Minecraft, which I've talked about on the show, and we have to kind of set a limit like eight o'clock. Okay, it's reading time. I will read to you or you can pick out a book, and, but we're all going to read now. Like for the next hour, no TV. Now everybody kind of settles down and can get to sleep. But we also get a chance to read. Tell you when I have to take my car into the shop, I take a paperback with me and I start plowing through that. (laughs) That's really the only chance I get to do it. And you don't feel guilty because it's like you're you're getting stuff done. The guilt-free feeling is where you want to be at. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, if a toy company were to make an action figure of you, what would you want to be your accessory? Does it actually have to be related to me or can I just have like a cool thing? Oh, no, it can be a cool thing. If I were an action figure, that would be my accessory. It doesn't have to be something about you. It could be, you know, a blaster or something, whatever. Yeah, something cool like a blaster or like a magical battle axe because of glasses and uh, a laptop. I just don't know if that would <laughs> right. I'd be a very fun toy to play with. Yeah, so I, I'd say give me something cool. All right. And when you're relaxing, what is your beverage of choice? And I've talked to you a little bit, but I'm a big IPA guy. Oh, yes. There's a couple places by my house that got some great IPAs. And speaking of other comic writers, Josh Hennen just posts beer stuff all the time. 
especially in LA. I mean, I got like three breweries right by my house. And then about 20 minutes away, there's a whole industrial park. You could walk to a bunch of them. I'm surrounded by a ton of great beer. Oh, that's great. You know, I like all different kinds. I mean, I like my wine. I like beer. But, I, you know, I really like to go for the IPAs. And uh, it, they're safe in my house because I pick some up for the holiday coming up. As we're recording this, it's close to 4th of July. I picked up some for the holiday, not knowing who's going to be over. She's looking at us. Don't look in the bag. I said, it's IPAs. You don't want that stuff. I have Guinness in the fridge for you. And I like it too, but that's that's for you. This is for me. Some of them are like meals in themselves. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like, did I just uh, have a bowl of, of oatmeal or something? I mean, <laughs> and there's the hazy ones. There's so many different varieties. It's easy to almost never get the same brand. And the cans and the artwork that they have on them now too is just like, I could just send there, you know, in front of the refrigerator looking at all the art. So many cool options. I know. That draws me in too. When I go to one of our big distributors around here, I will just be walking up and down the aisle like, do you need help? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just checking everything out. Because like you said, there's like so many different kinds. You could not have the same one twice. I often switch things up just to say, well, I'm going to try that and see how it is. And sometimes I'll find one. I'm like, oh, making a note of that. I'll be back to that one. But sometimes it's just like, wow, that's really a cool label. I have to start posting some of those cool labels I see. They're great art in and of themselves. There's an idea of a book, an art book of just like beer labels, IPA labels. <laughs> I'd buy it. Are you into the sours at all? Or are you pretty much strictly uh, IPA? Mostly IPA. I've seen some of the sours and they're pretty cool. Is there one you like in particular? Well, I've just been dabbling traditionally and I don't like them uh, at all. But I've been kind of dabbling in summer better than others it's just interesting to me because a lot of those where you're talking about you got to watch out for the alcohol content some of those are just like wine practically and then some are so sour it's interesting i appreciate the flavor variety yeah there's a lot of variety there like i said you can always find something different and again it's a great problem to have that there's so much selection and variety at least you know well for both of us where we are because there's so many places around there are many many breweries in delaware I mean, we have a lot of them. And I think 20 years ago, we only had like one or two, and now we have a bunch. So it's great. It's just wonderful to try all those different kinds. Yeah, good problem to have. My final question, what is the one question that you have never been asked in an interview that you would like someone to ask you so that they would know something about you that they didn't know? I'd love to have a clever answer for this, but I don't. I don't know. I want people to check out the comics. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know. I hope they check out the books, are interested, you know, what's coming next and uh, and like what they read. That's about all I got for that one. No, that's good advice. And like we talked about Kickstarter earlier, people need to go and check that out if they have it because there are so many gems that are like yours that might get overlooked. And I do go to my local comic shop and I order my comics and I try a variety of things like you. I'm buying Image, Dark Horse. I like some of the big two stuff, no doubt, but it's like the whole IPA thing. I try all these different books, you know, because there's just so much there and I like the genre books and they're a lot of fun, but... People should also look at Kickstarter because there are not just the pros who are on there doing their own independent projects, which is great. They can get their books out the way they want them. But so can you get your book out the way you want it with your creative team on your schedule. You know, you have a job. You know, you're a teacher. You've got a family to take care of. Like even some of the professionals, many people I've talked to, they have to supplement their income through other means so they can do their passion project, the comic. And I urge people to check out books like yours that are on Kickstarter that they're well worth the wait, a lot of love and efforts put into it. It's what you want to do. It's something you're driven to do. And that shows in the work and the people that you're working with to create these books. There's a lot there and it should not be overlooked. I can go down the rabbit hole just going through Kickstarter going, wow, look at this. You know, you don't see that in the Diamond Previews catalog. Hey, who knows? Someday those books, they could be the next big thing. Uh, sometimes that happens where a small publisher says, um, yeah, come on up. We like your book and 
We want to start publishing it. You've started to build your audience through Kickstarter. You've learned some things about marketing distribution yourself. You're the perfect person they should hook up with and publish their book. So I hope someday that works out for you because you deserve a larger audience to read your work. I like it. I'm glad you said you should check these out. I think you kind of like this type of story. And I'm like, you were dead on. You were absolutely right. <laughs> and I appreciate bringing that to my attention. Glad to hear it. And, and But going with the whole... The talent on Kickstarter, I mean, I 100% agree. I mean, the stuff that's out there, it's encouraging and makes me want to make better books. I mean, you've had a couple creators on that I've actually got the privilege to know, like Stephanie and Christian, who are just amazing creators in their own right and are just constantly putting out great stuff. And there's a bunch of other creators just like that. And the community, too, is another thing that I won't go on too much of a tangent, but just how supportive they are. So even if you're not putting out books quite as fast, but you're just putting out that product and putting your passion behind it. The community is huge. Um, that's something that I've definitely been glad to be a part of and got to meet some great people over the past few years. I'm definitely enjoying the ride. You know, that's probably one of the greatest things I like about comics now. When I was reading them, I was always just reading the credits in the book. Now I can get a chance to meet people like yourself, talk to them, get to know them better. You working with the other artists and writers in the community, you have the support of them because they're easier to get in touch with and in it used to be. That's just so much of the fun and love I have for this whole hobby now is that to get a chance to talk to the people and work with other people. It's like the icing on the cake. The books are fantastic and to get to know the people too and more about them, that's the icing on the cake for me. Totally agree with you 100%. So you do have Laszlo Kale coming up as a Kickstarter and once again, when do you expect that to go live? That's going to be uh, Tuesday, July 10th. All right, excellent. I hope everyone checks it out and they should. So after hearing this, please check it out and check out the other books that are on your website because uh, they're great. I know I've read one and I'm definitely going to go back for number two. So <laughs> I really want to see the rest of it. But awesome. it's great stuff. Great stuff. Andrew, thank you so much for being on Creator Talks. Oh, pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for joining Creator Talks this week. Coming up, I have two guests in queue. As you know, I always have a mix of creators, those up and coming and those who are veterans in the business. My guest who is an up and coming creator is Dylan Gilbertson. He wrote The Seller Calls My Name. It will be a part of Alterna's anthology comic, If, which comes out in November. And the theme this year will be horror stories. Dylan is also writing a horror series called Sweetheart and currently has a Kickstarter going on for the second issue. But it's more than just a horror story about a deadly creature. It is also an allegory for battling type 1 diabetes. My other guest coming up who is a veteran comic book creator is Evan Dorkin. He is the creator of Milk and Cheese, Dairy Products Gone Bad. He also created Beasts of Burden along with Joel Thompson and Blackwood, both being published through Dark Horse Comics. Evan has a new Beasts of Burden miniseries, Wise Dogs and Eldritch Men, coming out in August with art by Benjamin Dewey. And he has his ongoing miniseries, the horror story Blackwood, Issue 3 comes out on July 25th, so we'll be discussing those and other things that are on Evan's mind. I haven't yet decided if I'm going to release one of those two episodes next week, or both. I will let you know as soon as I decide, and how can you find out? You can follow me on the show's Facebook page or on Twitter, at CreatorTalksPod, that's at CreatorTalksPod, or visit my website, CreatorTalks.com, where I will post early in the week who the upcoming guest will be. And the show is out early Thursday morning Eastern Standard Time, so those of you commuting to work in the U.S. can download it and listen to it through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or even YouTube. And if your heart desires, you can listen to it through 
Amazon Dot and Echo devices, just say, Alexa, play Creator Talks. If you like what you hear, please rate and review on iTunes. Even if you just leave a star rating, you don't write a review, that helps the show tremendously get more exposure through iTunes. That's just the way the algorithm works. So if you have time, quickly just leave a short review or a star rating. And don't forget on weekends, I post my Saturday Silver Age and Sunday Bronze Age comics from my collection. These are not clips off the internet. These are books that I actually have in my collection and some I've had for decades. And if there's a little story behind it and my memory of its acquisition, I will include that in the post. The podcast comes first, but I'm going to try to get back to writing my recommended readings. And what I may start to do since I get so many comics and books to read is post a recommended reading for the week based on the books that I read that week. So there may be more than one book included in the post, like two or three perhaps. So stay tuned for further announcements on that front and watch for posts from me on the show's Facebook page and Twitter account, Creator Talks Pod. And again, thank you for joining me this week. I hope you enjoy the comics that you picked up and try some new ones this week and maybe try some of the work of guests who have been on the show. Send your comments and suggestions to contact at creatortalks.com. And so for Creator Talks, I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. Until next time. <laughs>